What about wait? What about the podcast about the friends but not friends? Yeah, that's that's what we already said. We said something else more confusing than that. No, I think that that's that's okay. basically what we said. Yeah. Okay. So the podcast about the friends but not friends. Mm-hmm. That's fun. That's pretty short, short and yeah. sweet. Okay. Welcome to We're Not Here to Watch Friends, the podcast. Of- nah, I already fucked up. Well, where's Lisa? Lisa always takes care of us. Welcome to We're Not Here to Watch Friends, the podcast about the friends, but not friends. I'm Daniel. I'm Brandon. How's it going, Dan? It's going pretty good. Uh, Oscar season is upon us for the, like the third episode in a row because <laughs> we keep recording these pretty close to the Oscar time. Right. By the time this one comes out, the Oscars will have already been over, right? I By believe. the time this comes out, the Oscars for 2023 will already be heating up. <laughs> yeah, we are recording this way in advance, um, but I have almost finished seeing all the best picture nominees i'm very close wow i am still pretty much the same spot i was before except i have a half hour of nightmare alley under my belt now probably all you need to watch the so far the the first half hour is pretty bad and then the second half hour is also bad and then the third and fourth half hour are also bad yeah i get that vibe so far it feels like a take that Guillermo del toro had on season four of american horror story it's frustrating because he seems like the guy who should be making a great spooky movie in an old-timey circus like that's extremely his shit right yeah and this is just not good kind of uh moves away from his normal stuff this is like the first del toro movie that doesn't have like some sort of mystical being or like a beast or a creature and they should have put a creature in it you know made it like a real del toro spooky movie yeah he went almost too real realistic on this one i feel like he maybe took the feedback of a fish person romance in shape of water too seriously and decided to just make human movies well it's also a remake of a movie from like the 50s which is also based on a book and so he's technically he's not um remaking the movie he's readapting the book which is bullshit you can't do that like if there's already a movie that exists then you're remaking the movie you can't be like no 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 we're doing a different adaptation it's like no i mean even if you say you're doing that if there's a movie that exists based on the thing you're adapting you're doing a remake of the movie now your watchman take makes way more sense to me (laughs) (laughs) you can't really that's not true there's so many times where that's not true i mean is it though like it's like oh we're going in a different direction it's like okay sure but you're still like it's still gonna get compared to the movie based on the thing already yeah that's true sure none of the new batmans are technically remakes of batman movies but they fucking are like of course they are they're getting compared to of course they're gonna get compared to nolan and they're gonna get compared to like val kilmer and george clooney and no one's comparing the george clooney ones those ones are just dead you can't talk about the history of batman movies and not bring up every single one you know you can't just be like oh like when people talk about the new batman they're like oh you know it's not as serious as the nolan ones it's a little bit more silly it's a little bit 
bit more camp, you know, like Tim Burton. And it's like, okay, yeah, so it's a remake of these movies because they're all, they, you can't say that you're not remaking something when the thing already exists in context of itself, you know? Everything is a Waluigi at this point. It exists only as a mirror and a copy of something that already exists. Yeah, I guess that's sort of true, but there's a few examples of people who just readapt material. I can't think of any off the top of my head, obviously, because that would be too helpful to the conversation. Well, like, okay, so a good example of this is like uh, that dumb movie with James Franco, like Oz, the Great and Powerful. That was like not a that's not a like a sequel to the movie. It's like, oh, no, we were like basing it off the books. And it's like, no, fuck off. It's it's based on the movie. Like <laughs> even when the artist like or the director, whoever wants to do it, that's just not how people consume film, I guess, is my point. You can't be like, oh, well, I'm going to just forget this movie exists while watching this and I'm not going to compare them because they're not they're not sequels or it's not a reboot or it's not a remake it's like I mean that's like saying that each Spider-Man is like well I guess they never claimed they weren't reboots and especially they put all the Spider-Man in the last one so now they're all just direct sequels but like I don't know just that's just not how film exists like within the context of its own history you know movies are sort of their own entity so anytime a movie comes out and there's a movie that has the same adaptation it makes sense to compare it to it so i understand your point of view on that yeah, yeah. um what are some movies you think are off limits for remakes that like no one would ever pass a hollywood remake along for i think a lot of like john hughes movies be both because they like are very good but also like i mean if you make a high school movie you just make a bunch of john hughes references you know like you can't make a high school movie without being like oh my god this is just like 16 candles <laughs> you know it's weird that you decided to bring that up because there is literally a remake TV show going on Disney soon. It's called 15 Candles. That's, Are you serious? Yes. Selena Gomez oh is producer on it. Oh my God. Actually, Selena Gomez might be okay. I also just think they don't really make like low stakes high school movies as often as they do. Like Booksmart is the last one. Technically, West Side Story is a high school movie. That's not low stakes at all, though. <laughs> no, it's very, very high stakes. Um, but I like, I don't know. I couldn't really see them making like another breakfast club like would a studio green light it's like here's the concept it's a bunch of kids in one room for an hour and a half and that's the entire move there's no scenes outside like the school there's only two other characters and so maybe it has less to do with the types of movies that get made but i just john hughes movies are very hard to remake it's interesting because he's also one of the people who basically created that at least modern version of that genre of high school related movies so it makes sense that everyone's more just taking his style and sort of making it their own or trying to but he's not exactly immune to remakes i mean ferris bueller's day off had a tv show 16 candles is getting a 15 candles like there's everyone no one's it seems like almost no one is off limits in terms of remakes in hollywood yeah i guess i don't consider a tv show based on a movie like a remake i'm like oh no that's its own thing i'm fine with a cash grab because i'm not gonna watch that show show um which i guess i could just not watch the movie but i'm more likely to like go see a remake because it's just like well well i'm bored and it's a thursday time to go to the movies um then i am like oh i'll watch an entire series of television which tv show would you immediately watch if they remade from a movie um i mean like a tv show where it's like they say all right we are going to do a tv show based on the movie chinatown oh fuck i would watch that yeah 
I would like if they made it like a like a procedural. Oh, that wouldn't be that good though. It would just be like a Law and Order LA type thing. But it would have to be a limited series. Yeah. Only problem is Ron Palanti would be an EP on it. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, well, so my answer might not really uh, make sense or I can't really explain it, but I feel like I would definitely watch. I mean, it's too early to say this because the movies haven't even come out yet all the way, but I would totally watch like an Avatar TV show. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like the fucking blue people. Yeah. Oh like my God. $300 million HBO Max middle season Game of Thrones esque budget, like Avatar TV show. I'd probably watch it, man. I, uh, okay. I mean, I never saw Avatar, the movie, and I, I don't really have any intention of seeing all the sequels that's going to come out wait you've the- never seen avatar nope wow highest grossing film of all time has never gotten a dime off of me my friend wait can we do a real quick rattle off of the top 10 highest grossing movies and see which ones we've seen yeah oh yeah yeah that's a good idea i think that I, it's probably not the highest grossing movie anymore right it's i think endgame might be close to it but i'm pretty sure that's only domestic i think overall avatar is still number one damn i mean i i guess that makes sense but also it's just like it's such a weird movie to have done so so well i mean it's the i'm not like breaking any ground by being like oh the most commercially successful film of all time and no one remembers anything about it uh which is like again i haven't seen it so that's not really fair for me to say but that is a like a meme you know that's a thing people say it is although it's really funny because i was talking to one of my friends a while back about how no one remembers anything from it and he like name dropped the main character and i just was shocked that anyone remembered the main character's name from 12 years ago navi not well the main the main human character oh. Well, but is, is the main character, is Navi right? Or is that the planet? That's the name of the species. Okay. Okay. So Avatar is number one. Avengers Endgame is number two. You've seen that, right? Uh, No, I haven't. You miss Endgame? No, I stopped watching the Marvel movies, I think, after the second Avengers movie. I was like, I'm, I'm kind of done. I watched Thor 3, Iron Man 3, the, orig- the first Avengers movies. I never saw Ant-Man 2. So somewhere around there. I feel like that was the best era of not Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame, I have a lot of issues with, but <laughs> I think that the era of like Ant-Man, Ant-Man 2, Thor 3, Black Panther. Yeah, Thor 3 is good. Ant-Man's good, but I just kind of even the good ones, it's still like, oh, this is good for a Marvel movie, and I just kind of got tired of them. I can see that. Um, I'm definitely getting some Marvel fatigue recently. Though I did weirdly watch WandaVision, which was confusing because I hadn't seen like the last five movies before it, and also just bad like i did not like wandavision at all Ugh, i love the first four episodes of wandavision and then did not like it as much anymore see i'm the opposite where i really didn't like the them doing like a pitch perfect tv parody because it wasn't moving the plot forward at all and it also wasn't like it was doing um parody but not satire where it was just like oh we're doing a very good like true to form version of this tv show but we don't really have anything to say about television and it's weird to make a tv show about tv and not say anything about tv yeah i mean we have a whole podcast about wandavision but (laughs) later on the show kind of took the parody thing and made it its whole thing which was annoying whereas the first few episodes i thought did a good job of making the parody thing seem disconcerting and sort of make you on edge of what's happening uh so okay number three titanic have you seen that i have seen titanic 
too long. That's Brandon's review. That's a that's a two VHS tape movie right there. Uh, yeah, a lot of movies on this list are way too long. Yeah. For Star Wars The Force Awakens, which is the first of the new trilogy. That is the only one I've seen of the new trilogy, and it was fine. Yeah, you're not really missing out. I mean, Last Jedi has its moments, but Rise of Skywalker is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It is funny to be doing a, like, pop culture TV and movie podcast and me realizing that I haven't seen, like, any popular... Like, I was like, I watch dumb garbage. Like, I, I'm a big popcorn blockbuster movie, but I miss out on, like, the blockbuster every year for some reason. Not you're the type of guy who goes to the Liam Neeson movie of the year. <laughs> you were first in line for nonstop. Yeah. Oh, man. I watch The Gray every Tuesday. <laughs> oh, that's a good... Gray Tuesday is what you call it. <laughs> I call it Great Groot... Great Gray's Great Gru's Day? Gru's no, Day? I, 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 no, got nothing. That doesn't really work. My head. <laughs> Uh, Infinity War, you already established you have not seen. Have, not seen have you seen the new Spider-Man? That's number six. I have, I have not seen the new Spider-Man. I have uh, not seen any of the Tom Holland Spider-Mans or any of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans. Have I told you about my uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is the same movie as Lizzie McGuire movie take? No. Well, they're both the same exact movie because both main characters go are in high school. They go over to an, a trip in Europe. They befriend somebody who they think is completely on their side. That person betrays them. And at the end, they have to defeat them and regain their identity. So who is it in Lizzie McGuire? Uh, Apollo, the guy who's like the saner who she falls in love with. Oh, man, I have not seen this movie in a very long time. But yeah, that kind of rings a bell. But you have seen it, though. We've established you've watched Lizzie McGuire movie, but you have not seen Avatar. Yeah, yeah. This is why it's good to be doing a podcast about the cast of Friends, because I watched way more movies in the 2000s, which is crazy. I saw like 30 movies last year, like new movies you know right. not just like i watched a way more just like on streaming and stuff i go to the theater like once or twice a month and i'm still just like mm, haven't seen like any movie that people want to talk about i'm like oh <laughs> i watched a uh, cruella uh and i saw uh, fast nine um, you watched cruella in theater yeah it was my first movie i saw after i got vaccinated your first movie after getting vaccinated was cruella <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's uh not good <laughs> why yeah. well, there was a, so the reason i saw it was because my girlfriend and i had both gotten vaccinated and it was after like the two weeks of our second shot and we're just like oh we can go to the movies again what is playing and it was cruella and we're like all right guess we're gonna go see it oh my god i can't even imagine i would choose any other i would choose a repeat of another movie that's playing in the theater i'd watch like psycho again instead of watching cruella i watched so many bad movies at like end of spring beginning of summer last year because that's like I was just so excited to go back to the theaters and I saw like the forever purge in theaters which sucks oh, nice um, love a good purge movie yeah well the purges are great I love the purge the world building in the I'm bringing up my letterbox so I can see what other shitty movies I saw last year mm-hmm. um, like the purge movies are great forever purge is very bad I haven't seen it yet but love the first three yeah no it's cool it's a good it's a good concept the first purge which is the fourth movie very good I didn't watch that one either Purge election year fucking rules oh yes love elizabeth mitchell okay let me write out some of the other movies jurassic world have you seen that one uh no i haven't i have unfortunately the lion king which is the 2019 lion king movie i have not seen that one either i also saw that one unfortunately the avengers the first one you watched that one i have seen that yeah and then furious seven i'm assuming you saw that one furious seven fast and furious number seven. Oh, oh, yeah 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 what i was like is this like an ocean's 11 thing it's a magnificent seven 
but this time they're mad. <laughs> yes, I, I've seen all the Fast and Furiouses. Those are good movies. The Fast and Furious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've seen most of the movies on that list except for nope i've seen every movie on this list <laughs> to give you some context of the shitty movies i watched last year once theaters opened up uh cruella was my first and then i watched army of the dead which i guess i didn't probably watch that in theaters that's a netflix movie there's no way uh f9 the tomorrow war oh jesus christ you watched that uh, in theaters also <laughs> that was not in theaters either oh, i was gonna say <laughs> were you like in la or something at the premiere the the forever per Purge, Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain, uh, The Suicide oh, right. Squad, Venom, Dune, Last Night in Soho, Pig. I don't think I saw Pig in theaters. And then in like January of this year, I watched like Licorice Pizza and West Side Story and like all the good movies that came out last year. Whenever like the Oscar season starts, all of a sudden all the movies come on streaming. So you actually end up watching better movies because the whole year before, you, I always feel like I'm thinking at the end of the year, man, this year was really bad for movies. And then all of the good movies come to streaming within the next two months and i like most of them at least so i saw licorice pizza in theaters and i really liked it but i feel like for the most part i rarely will go to a oscar nominated film in theaters unless it's like a west side story uh, licorice pizza where it's like it's good but also kind of on the lighter side because like i'll watch a sad movie at home but something about like the theater experience demands like i'm like no this should be fun i should be having a good time Time, you know i kind of have a different take on this not like on purpose but i do see a lot of the oscar movies in theaters usually because there's a lot of good theaters in dc and like the surrounding area so most movies are available to me to watch and if a movie's getting good reviews and i want to see it pretty quickly i'll go watch in the theater yeah. although now that most movies come to streaming within two months i've been more selective about that so it's been less of a push to see movies in the theater yeah i used to be like really anti streaming kind of, not like like I would just basically only use streaming to like watch TV because I would try to go to the movies you know once or twice a month anyway and so it's like well you know if I miss it in theaters I'm probably just not gonna see it and then you know pandemic happened and so I started watching like there's something about like I can easily sit down and watch three hours of television no problem but committing myself to a three hour movie feels like a huge thing to do on an evening um, yeah. and I have since gotten over that because otherwise I just wouldn't watch movies at all but I still, unless like I make a very deliberate decision of like, I'm going to watch something that doesn't suck. Or, like I'm going to watch something that's like critically acclaimed and good instead of just being like, you know, hey, do you want to make popcorn and watch like whatever dumb action movie we find first uh, with my girlfriend? And it's like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do that. Because I like good movies, obviously. I don't, I just tend to default to like whatever the like, well, it's, you know, a hundred minutes and it's kind of a, a guy with a gun doing cool shit and i'm like sweet i'm gonna eat popcorn and drink a big soda and sit in the dark and that yeah. fucking rules speaking of movies that are about 100 minutes the movie we're covering this week is called clock watchers that transition oh my god ladies and gentlemen the master at work so this week we're covering the lisa kudrow movie this is our first lisa kudrow episode and we had to do it quickly because brandon is on a one month trial for stars it's another emergency episode of we're not here to watch friends the emergency being i don't want to have to pay for stars for another month understandably so we decided to kind of run through the stars whatever um friends related movies they have also putting a pin back in studio 60 because jesus christ 
Also, the Brad episode, very good. We covered three episodes at the same time. I feel like we don't need to go back to it for at least three weeks now. Yeah, because that was like the one that we need. We need to cover that, like those episodes eventually because that was, but now it's just complete filler for the rest of the season. Probably, I have to assume. Yeah, Studio 60 only exists in so far as that's great, Tom, but your brother's standing in Afghanistan. That's that's the entire show. I mean, yes. maybe as soon as the uh, two planes took a hard right turn into the North Tower kitten, um, those I think those quotes are the only ones that people remember. Yeah, it's not a memorable show. Um, but this was also not a memorable movie, unfortunately, <laughs> in my opinion, because I actually really liked it. I thought it was good, but no one remembers it. It's got sh- overshadowed by Office Space pretty quickly because I came out a few years later with the same premise. I mean, let's put a pin in that real quick because I have a lot to say about 90s movies about people who hate their jobs. Let's just do quick overview of what Clock Watchers was about. I almost said Clock Stoppers, which is a fucking different 90s movie that rules. Um, I kept Googling accidentally Clock Stoppers and I was trying to find this movie and I'd get so confused. <laughs> Have you seen Clock Stoppers? I never heard of it until what? I, 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 had. I might. Okay, I take it back. I think I've had heard of it, but like only vaguely because I had never seen it, but I was what? familiar enough with it. More so than like any superhero movie or like a movie about someone who has like powers or like a movie of, like Clock Stoppers was like I so desperately wanted the watch that slowed down time i was like i would get so much fucking shit done and i would like prank people and this would rule i feel like when you're a young kid and you watch like a superhero movie you're like god damn it i want to be superman so goddamn bad i want to fly around and for me that was like it was clock stoppers i was like i want to be able to freeze time and like put a raccoon in my sister's room or whatever the hell they do in that movie (laughs) (laughs) right okay i want to make a quick point about clock stoppers i looked up the movie found the soundtrack the soundtrack is clearly 2002 soundtrack it's smash mouth sugar ray uncle cracker third eye blind at the end they have a they have a song by cool keith which is interesting because he's kind of a more underground rapper so that's kind of funny uh the last song they have on the soundtrack is called Time is Ticking Out by the Cranberries, which makes sense for a movie called Clockstoppers. So I looked at the song because it has a Wikipedia page, and it came out pretty much the exact same year this movie came out. But the song was written about the children of Chernobyl. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's very within, like, the politics of the Cranberries, who writes, like, a lot of, like, political... But it's very funny to then stick that song in a very dumb movie for kids. Yeah, what a weird choice. I don't understand why they would ever do that i feel like either i've gotten older or they don't make like because like clock stoppers is like a pg movie with like a decent budget and does that movie still exist and i just don't notice it because i'm almost 30 or do they not like i guess you're just taking your kid to go see marvel even though you know they're not like because a parent you can go see a pg-13 movie even if you're under 13 like but i just feel like they don't make like a like movies for kids because now just all movies are for kids yeah at this point the only movies that they make really are animated movies or superhero movies that they just gear towards children by being pg-13 yeah it's nothing really else there's they have a couple a year the alexander the no good very bad day movie which is 
is arguably kind of in that genre, maybe a slightly lower budget than a kind of, it's not sci-fi or anything, obviously. Yeah. They occasionally have a movie that tries to appeal to kids that's not either animated or high budget superhero movie, but it's not that often anymore. And I guess the reason is because kids nowadays usually only go to the theaters to watch superhero movies. And if they're watching something on streaming, the creators aren't getting any money from it. And they usually aren't watching like the boring movie that just has a kid on the cover with like their dog or something. To bring it back, speaking of movies they don't really make anymore, this is a 96 minutes movie about four women who are temps and they just hate their job. It's about people who hate their job. The stakes are incredibly low. You know, there's maybe two or three set pieces in the whole thing. They don't save the world. They don't even really get back at their boss at all. It's it's a very good like snapshot of these four women's lives. And then at the end, they all move on and do other things. And it's just like, huh, that was a crazy, you know, six months that we all worked together type thing. There used to be like tentpole movies and then they would make sort of lower budget just to kind of fill the time movies and now all movies are tentpole movies and I I really enjoyed Clock Watchers for what it was. It's a great spring release film um, which I'm assuming is when it came out. That or the fall. Uh, yeah, in June. It came out in June? That's crazy. I feel like movies like this normally didn't get a summer release, even in the 90s. Like, it kind of probably came out in June in, like, four theaters. I can't imagine this movie was in a lot of theaters everywhere. Yeah. They still make movies like this nowadays sometimes. Like, there's a lot of indie movies that have a similar style to this. It's just that I think the genre of indie movies has changed since then. Because in the 90s, it was definitely a big thing to have movies that were more slice of life day in the life of these characters whereas then in the late 2000s it became like the mumblecore genre was really huge and then now it's just all over the place in terms of movies that are being made in the indie spectrum i think oh man we should do a we're not here to watch new girl after we finish friends and cover all the mumblecore movies that um jake johnson has done (laughs) i have seen every single one of them and they are all exactly three stars out of five oh yeah (laughs) they are a perfect studio 30 out of 60 on the Sunset Strip. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing really interesting about any of them specifically, but they're all fine. Yeah, no, I I like them a lot. I like, who's that guy? Joe Schronberg? Yeah, yeah, I like him a lot. I like how every single movie of his is basically the exact same thing. Watch these 30-somethings who are kind of tired in their relationships. Almost cheat on each other, uh, not quite. Or in one of our movies, they are going to cheat on each other. Um, Who's to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of this movie coming out in June. Do you want to know the number one movie of the week was when this movie came out? Sure. Are we just doing the box office game? Are we just stealing um, Blank Check's premise wholesale? <laughs> well, I don't want to steal it for every single time. I just want to steal it specifically for this time. Okay. Because it's funny this movie is number one. Mostly just because it's bad. But okay, speed- give, me, give me the weekend, like the dates specifically. Like Okay. So like speeding through this, the month was June. It's, it came out on June 12th. So it was like the weekend of that. So it's just June 15th. I think 15th was the box office week. Was a box office week. Wait, what do you want me to give you besides that? Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. That's what I wanted. What are the top five? So the number one movie was Speed 2 Cruise Control. Hell yes! That's extra relevant, I mean, because uh, I read a article just today about how that is Sandra Bullock's only career regret. And I'm like, that movie kicks ass. I don't know what you're talking about. Your only career regret should be The Blind Side. (laughs) Sandra Bullock needs to stop making movies involving people being blind. Did she make another movie about Bird Box? (laughs) Oh. Oh, uh, I forgot about that movie. Um, I didn't see it, actually, so I can't judge it. Uh, number two was Con Air. Number three was Lost World.
World Jurassic Park. Number four was Addicted to Love. And number five was Austin Powers. So it's like a pretty good week of just weird late 90s movies that you throw on TNT or USA. A good weekend of movies. Yeah, you had your pick. All right. So anyway, back on topic here. So just to do like a quick premise of like uh, Clock Watchers. All these women are temps. They like work together and they become friends. A new woman starts working there and she's full time and things start going missing and they all start kind of accusing each other and everyone in the office starts accusing them and the re- the friendships sort of fall apart and they all drift away and then they get new jobs the end. I just wanted to kind of blow past the premise really quickly so we can kind of get into it. Uh, great cast. Yeah, great cast. Parker uh, Posey, Lisa Kudrow, uh, Tony Collette, and then who's the fourth lady? Alana Ubach. She's in a few things here and there. I've seen her in like TV shows. Uh, she does a lot of voice acting also. Okay. Like, she didn't have as big of a career as the other three, but she definitely is still around in some form. Also, uh, Deborah Joe Rupp shows up in it. Speaking of and, you know, love, love anytime the mom from that 70s show is in something. We also have Jamie Kennedy, one of his first roles. He plays a kind of weird guy at the office who like tries to flirt with Alana Ubach. Yeah. It was interesting because I was trying to, as soon as I saw him in this movie, I was wondering, has Jamie Kennedy been in every a movie with every friend's cast member? And the answer is no. <laughs> it's just Lisa Kudrow and Courtney Cox. And I think David Schwimmer was on an episode of the Jamie Kennedy Experiment. Mm. So, nope. Uh, and then also Bob Balaban, who's in a bunch of movies with Parker Posey. He plays the kind of frazzled boss who they keep messing with every once in a while. And he was pretty funny, I thought. He would do a lot of weird shit in the movie. Like he'd go into a meeting room and then say, hey, this is my chair. Can you move? And like awkwardly make someone move to a different chair during a meeting. He'd be unsure what's going on. He'd like, would be just like, he's like, where's my PowerPoint presentation? I'm so lost without it and all this stuff. And it was kind of, he was a funny side character, I thought. Well, also a bespectacled weirdo named Milton in a comedy about the office, just like Office Space. Mm, wow. Uh, the, the where's my stapler guy uh, played by Stephen Root uh, is also named Milton. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, just a banner era for Office Place comedies. And that's, that's the other thing about this movie that I really like is I just feel like movies now that are like critical of work culture or capitalism, which definitely still exists now, but they tend to focus more on the people at the top. You got your um, secessions and then every single documentary about every single tech company that failed, you know, we crash that's coming out and stuff like that. They focus at like the people at the top and the 90s was real peak. Like everyone fucking hates their job. Here's a movie about people who uh, hate their job. In fact, I was working on a list of it and this is not a complete list, but movies that came out in the 90s that are about hating your job. Clerks, Office Space, Fight Club. The Matrix is kind of about hating your job, at least in the beginning. I agree. It seems like those movies pretty much defined the 90s, arguably. I feel like those are the ones that sort of hit the 90s nail on the head in terms of getting the decade correct in a realistic way. It was real like end of history stuff where everyone was just kind of like, I guess we just go to work forever and this is just all there is. And then, you know, 9-11 happened and no one had any time to be doing like a personal crisis about how pointless work is because we had to, you know, fight terrorists and get mad at the French for not illegally invading a country 
or whatever. And so, you know, freedom fries and stuff really distracted us from our own bullshit for about a decade. Uh, and then it kind of came back around, I think. And there's now like a more another cultural moment of just being like, wow, work is dumb and capitalism is bad. We did get a uh, wanted in 2008, which is pretty much a work is bad movie sort of for. A yeah. Little bit. And I kind of forgot that there's like a work sucks. So become an assassin plot. of that. <laughs> it's funny because like that's like I think Chris Pratt plays the annoying worker who cheats with James McAvoy's girlfriend. So that's like the first role I've ever seen him in, I think. But yeah, the work sucks plot of that movie, they kind of drop it after the first half hour because at that point it's just like, yeah, I'm more likely to be killed by an assassin than to care about my job anymore. So I'm just done with this. I mean, there's always going to be movies about a guy who's burnt out at his job and then does like a dramatic change or finds out he's like secretly special and destined to like, because that's just that's just a classic premise. And so those are kind of in a different category than movies that are like specifically about like work sucks because like this movie and like Office Space um, and Clerks uh, and even Fight Club to some extent, they never get that like, oh yeah, work does suck, but also you don't have to do this. You can like go on and be special or and something else where, you know, a lot of these like 90s work movies, they just sort of end. And at Office Space, they all end up just getting different jobs. This movie, they all end up getting different jobs. You know, it's it's not like some magical turning moment where it turns out you're a super good assassin who can curve bullets or anything like that. You know, it's just life goes on. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty true. Um, but I thought it was an interesting way of making this plot because the first half of this movie is sort of a plot where Tony Collette comes in. She's the new temp and she realizes that the other temps just mostly fuck around and don't really do their jobs too much, which is something she at first is not sure how to deal with, but then she comes along with it before the new person comes in who's the new assistant permanent hire that sort of upends everything and ruins like their friendship of the four main characters. And the movie basically turns from a comedy to a drama halfway through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a nice pivot. And when everything is getting stolen, it's very much so set up where the characters are blaming this new woman, but you as a viewer definitely think it's Parker Posey the whole time. So the reveal with the uh, the little plastic monkey she keeps on her desk that goes missing and then she sees that Parker Posey has one um, and then later she, it's revealed that the one that she thought Parker Posey stole was really just in her pencil like holder the whole time the reveal that Parker Posey's innocent is actually pretty pretty devastating in a way because it's now all of a sudden she has betrayed like her only friend yeah but I and that's true and that was pretty sad to watch but I thought it was a good way of they you know spoiler for the ending of the movie but at the end the movie they have a scene where she goes up to the person that she basically has been doing all the work for as the temp and like tony collette does and tells him that she's leaving and she wants a recommendation but she tells him that her name is parker posey's character's name so then parker posey gets a recommendation and she's wanted the whole movie it's a nice ending and also it's a nice kind of callback to like how no one who works there ever learns any of the temp's names yes which they break make a point of a lot of it in the movie um but yeah you know i i liked it i don't really have like any intense 
intense criticism of it at all. I thought it was, you know, it's a perfectly good movie. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of good stuff in the movie. It kept me interested the whole time. There was a lot of fun moments that sort of were either actually laugh out loud funny or at least humorous or amusing. Parker Posey, I thought was fantastic. She really stole the show. Uh, Lisa Kudrow, I thought was also really good to tie into the Lisa Kudrow connection. I thought she did a really good job of playing the character who clearly aspires for more and sort of lies about where she thinks she's at but in reality is not where she wants to be so she's like trying to become an actress and she lies that she gets like cast in a play uh very relatable when people ask me how many people listen to this podcast (laughs) i think they all four were pretty good characters there's a lot of good character arcs with all of them it was just a movie that was really well done it as soon as the movie started it already felt very lived in like it already had an identity for itself immediately i thought which was nice like the first scene i thought was funny where they go where tony collette's coming in for her first day and she walks up to the front desk and joshua molina aaron sorkin regular from west wayne sports night mm-hmm. um and then other shows they're not aaron sorkin like scandal um he's at the front desk but it's not nine o'clock yet so he just sits there ignores her the whole time till the clock turns nine o'clock and then he starts talking to her i thought it was like a really funny start to the movie of immediately establishing the tone yeah i also really liked everything they did with the clock of like adding in very loud ticking noises in certain scenes but also when it was like one minute till five and when the minute hand would very dramatically like swing forward and then back a little bit to like five o'clock um i thought that's like a good little prop there the clock the uh you know much like how new York is a character in Friends. The clock was really the fifth character in this movie. Yeah, it was. It, it should have been fifth build. It should have <laughs> the order of the cast, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was really funny because like every time they would they would be waiting for the clock to hit five, they'd all be basically just sitting at their desks, usually doing nothing or just kind of fucking around. And it was funny to watch the kind of montage of all the characters just waiting for it. It was just kind of a funny scene of just having everybody sort of playing with like a stapler or doing something completely mundane just waiting for it at five o'clock and then as soon as it hits five they're just out of there yeah that's pretty funny extremely (laughs) relatable like even like the the bosses in the movie are clearly just not working that much which also feels realistic like one of the first the first scene that tony collette is on the workforce she is taking that she takes a call and the call as asking for someone who basically is one of the heads of the company and she walks over to his office it's like way past nine at this point she just sees him like reading a newspaper and then walks back and says he's busy right now yeah well and parker posey is like you know they never take a phone call before 10 right um which i i thought was like a nice detail um it was i like that i also like that parker posey would just sort of just answer questions on the boss's behalf (laughs) yeah yeah oh i like the line where uh like going off of just like the fucking around part when parker posey showing the ropes to tony collette and then she says oh yeah so i showed you the first 50 percent of the job now it's time to show you the other 50 percent of the job lunch oh yeah 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 yeah. that was cute and like the whole time tony collette's character clearly just wants to sort of not make a big deal about everything she's kind of hiding in her shadow so when she goes to lunch at first there's like no seat for her so she's just like oh that's fine i'll just basically kneel down on the ground while i'm eating and then when she makes them all cupcakes one of the cupcakes falls on the floor and she goes to them and just lies and says she ate one of the cupcakes already so she doesn't need one it was like some nice characterization for her and it was a good role for tony collette because i've never seen her do anything like this yeah i don't think i've ever 
remember seeing like 90s Tony Collette. She feels like one of those actresses for me who has just always been sort of like a middle-aged woman. And I, you know, just being the age I am and watching the movies currently, like she's in a bunch of shit now. And I'm just like, oh yeah, she was, uh, she was also at one point uh, in her 20s, just like everyone else in the history of the world. <laughs> right. Uh, I think the first time I saw her maybe was uh, Sixth Sense, probably. Because she plays the mom in that. Oh, shit. I don't think I realized that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I did at the time when I watched it, probably. But that's like the first time I had an experience watching a movie with her in it. Yeah. Another thing that I liked was there was just so many subtle parts of the movie, which was interesting because you had to kind of pay attention to certain things, like especially with all the props involved, because a lot of times they'd steal stuff. You had to keep track of where it was, figure out who you think is responsible for everything. And there were a few interesting side plots that weren't really fully established, but that was kind of the point. They were supposed to be sort of subtle and you're supposed to kind of not understand what's really going on maybe because it's not focused on other characters besides Tony Collette there's some like funny little moments like at one point uh, when everyone's sort of in disarray because everyone's stealing stuff Bob Balaban comes into the office and just grabs a flower out of like the flower pot in the front and just eats it oh yeah that's such a <laughs> it was like just a little moment that it just felt it feels like they just asked Bob Balaban to come into the scene and do something crazy and he's just like I'm just gonna eat a small flower yeah no this this movie is like chock full of like little decisions that are interesting and kind of make you take it back a little bit and just like oh huh all right yeah he's also everyone seems to ignore uh even in the real world everyone seems to ignore the four main characters like all this when they're waiting for like a waitress when they're trying to get talk to salespeople, they seem to ignore them unless they think they're causing trouble yeah because like in the scene where they're getting lipstick on like they're putting all the lipstick on and the salesperson comes up and immediately sort of you know basically chastises them for that but then when they're trying to you know sort of ask her to for attention to get clothing she ignores them because she's talking to somebody else who she thinks will actually spend money in the store so it's kind of a little bit interesting to sort of have a classism with the movie because there's also the scene where the guy the company is the main the ceo is saying oh we're all a family here so if anyone has any financial trouble please let us know because we'll really we're happy to assist you when clearly he just wanted to out whoever was the thief and then probably fire them unceremoniously yeah for sure i mean we're all family here is like a left labor talking point at this point of just being like yeah that's like a super huge red flag if they start saying stuff like that the expectation is that you take care of your family night and day 24 7 and so you know your job shouldn't be that and i just kind of thought that it was funny that they said that you know 25 years before it became a sort of basic twitter meme about you know relations with your boss well just to kind of since you know this is technically a lisa kudrow episode i want to talk a little more about her performance because there's some good scenes i really liked of her in this movie like when she was trying to flirt with the copy machine guy she would just keep breaking the copier constantly to try to get him to come in and so she could flirt with him mm-hmm. uh, like she like the very the first thing we see her in which i thought was a good introduction to her character was she's at the copy machine tony collette comes in very quiet and shy and lisa kudrow is just sort of casually putting a bunch of like staples in the copy machine to try to break it <laughs> and then she leaves and lisa and tony collette picks up a piece of paper that she thinks is like an important piece of paper that lisa kudrow wanted to copy and then she finds out it's blank like i thought that was funny yeah yeah there's a scene where uh, lisa kudrow is doing some acting showing off to tony collette for the emotions she can do which was sort of an interesting almost not like 
surreal scene, but she was on the bus with Tony Collette and she was asking Tony Collette to guess what emotion she was doing. And Tony Collette's reaction to every emotion was the emotion she was doing, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, like when she was like happy or like sad, um, it was, I don't know, it seemed like it was almost, there's something there maybe of like a, uh, like some nuance to that that I maybe just didn't catch, but I enjoyed the scene for that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that that scene was more about just how bad of an actress Lisa Kudrow's character is. Like, you know, Lisa Kudrow herself is not a bad actress, but because she's like an inspiring actress and working as a temp, you know, she's very overselling, like happy, sad. And then Tony Collette couldn't figure out the other emotion she was doing, you know? And so I think part of it is like her dream is kind of sad. It's kind of like in Freaks and Geeks, when Jason Siegel's character realizes he's never going to be like a famous drummer, it reminded me sort of of that, of just this like moment of like, this is all this character wants and they are just not good enough at this thing they like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, that scene is, that scene's kind of quietly devastating. If I'm, I mean, and maybe your interpretation of what was happening there is a little different than mine, but I was like, not only is she like too afraid to really actually go out and try out for a play. And so she lies about it to her friends, but also she's just not good enough to do it. Well, my interpretation was I was high when I first watched this movie. So <laughs> that scene really stuck out to me in that. <laughs> uh, along with the scene where they're zooming out from like the light that's like those you know like those office lights that are very bright and yeah. annoying the scene where they're zooming out from that really uh watching this movie high can exaggerate how long that scene takes as, as a side note this is sort of a reoccurring thing in our friendship where we'll both watch something and you'll talk about like a scene like it was really really good and or like it'll freak you out and then you'll later reveal to me that you were high watching it i'm like <laughs> oh yeah no i like don't remember that scene at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah that happened with the studio 60 pilot also because <laughs> i remember when i first watched it, i was like this show's basically twin peaks and then i watched it again yeah. and i was like no it's not no it's not not even a little bit even <laughs> so just some other things i want to talk about regarding the people behind the scenes of this movie uh is written by two sisters and directed by one of the sisters jill sprecker and she did a few movies after this but she didn't really get much mainstream success which i feel like is pretty on course for 90s female indie directors like, I feel yeah. like that's a very common thing where they don't really get much success afterwards because it seems like a lot of times the male directors would jump up to some blockbuster a few years later or something. But I don't know if, I mean, it makes sense at the time, I guess, that women were not as likely to get directing roles. But it kind of it sucks because I really like the directing this movie. I also like the cinematography. I thought it was very well done. Um, the guy who did the cinematography for this movie went on to do a bunch of TV shows and movies. Like, he did, I think he, like, he did director, he was a director of photography on Yellowstone, Silicon Valley, and uh, Wayward Pines. Did you ever watch? Flavor Pines? I did not know. That was probably the last summer limited series that they had on like a network that was sort of an event series. Like, do you remember when they used to do that? Where yeah, that was the last one that was actually talked about, and then it was not a limited series later when they renewed it, and then it was a bad season two, and they canceled it, of course. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was just a very well done movie. Also, the sister of Alana Ubach's character was actually played by her real life sister when they had like the oh, baby shower scene. That was fun uh real quick just looking at um jill's other movies she made 
She made a Coen Brothers ripoff in 2011. Okay, this is the premise of the movie Thin Ice. A dishonest insurance salesman life quickly disintegrates during a Wisconsin winter when he teams up with a psychopath to steal a rare violin at the home of a reclusive farmer. That's just Fargo. That's not Fargo. It's very similar. Insurance salesman, Midwest, winner, fucking up his own life. I mean, the back half of that sentence is details. Like, he teams up with a psychopath. That's a little different. But that's season one of Fargo, which I guess is not exactly based on the movie. Yeah, but, mainly season one of Fargo came out after that movie did. Yeah, okay, you know what, you're right. So Fargo season one ripped off this, which is a ripoff of the movie Fargo. Whoa. This is back to what we were talking about. Nice bookend here. Uh, everything is a remake and everything will get compared to something else, even if you don't intend it to. That's true. Uh, yeah, but not a whole lot else besides that. She and her sister apparently wrote and were producers on a season of the show Big Love, which was never seen it. Oh, you never seen Big Love? No. What's it it's about? It's all right. Um, it's about Mormons in Utah. Uh, Bill Bill Paxton. Janine Triplehorn. Holy shit. This has had like lots of seasons for a show I've never even heard of. You never even heard of it? No. It was the sort of in-between HBO shows between when like Sopranos and The Wire were ending and when Game of Thrones started. Yeah, no, I've never even heard of this show. Damn. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. There's some good stuff in it. It's maybe not one of the best shows, but like I, it's got a lot of critical acclaim. It's pretty well done. Very good direction. Great theme song well, i mean they use god only knows by the beach boys but the way the theme is done like the actual theme visuals are really good but i like big love so she was involved in that at all good for her but yeah not a whole lot else for them this movie is one of those just kind of forgotten about 90s movies that didn't really make a cultural impact which it makes sense because it's like a 90s indie movie half of them were not clerks because they didn't make that sort of push into mainstream yeah that's fine that happens to a lot of those types of movies it still has its merit yeah no i thought it was good how would you rated on a scale of table one to table 19 which is a lisa kudrow movie that came out a few years ago where she was fourth build uh so i'm going to rate this like table 14 i think out of 19 that's pretty good that's yeah yeah, maybe a 13 out of 19 it was good but it wasn't mind-blowing or anything it was just a quality movie just a quality piece of film a perfectly enjoyable thing to watch after work yesterday which is what i did yeah there you go i would rate this a table 17 out of 19 that's very high i really like this movie i watched it twice and enjoyed it just as much second time as i did the first time i liked it i think uh i give it a lower rating it's not something that's gonna really stick with me the only time i could ever see it coming up is if you and i ever are having a conversation and one of us deliberately makes a reference to this movie in front of a group of friends just because we know the other is going to be the only one who gets it yeah but it's you know it's not a movie that's going to really stick with me i'm probably not going to remember it like key details of it uh the thing that will stick with me is every single outfit buster posey wears in this or not parker Parker not buster posey (laughs) parker posey wears in this which are fucking incredible she looks great especially the hawaiian shirt at the uh bridal party oh fantastic she looks fantastic such a fucking good shirt buster posey related to parker posey do you think like third cousin maybe i don't know i mean she also was a catcher in major league baseball for quite some time so i could definitely see that she played for the orioles uh (laughs) (laughs) she'd be great in the league of their own tv show like the one they're doing she should be in that
Are they bringing back any of the original cast for that? I don't think so. I don't really know anyone who's in it besides Darcy Carden. Oh, I like her. That'll be good. Yeah, she'll be. I'm excited for her to be in it. She's usually good. I guess Abby Jacobson's cre- is like one of the co-creators. Hey. I don't really recognize any of their names on the show. Nick Offerman's also in it, apparently. Remember in the beginning of this episode when you asked me what TV show based off a movie that I would watch? My answer is a league of their own. <laughs> well, you're in luck. <laughs> What's it going to be on? Uh, this little known streaming service called Amazon Prime. Ah, oh, fuck. Oh, Ever heard of it? It's the worst annoying. one in existence. I hate Amazon Prime and I always cancel it and then just end up getting it again because something that I want to watch is on it. But I guess I will hold on to it. When does it come out? Uh, 2022. Okay, I will. <laughs> I guess I will hold on to it for a while. <laughs> this doesn't really work for streaming services, but a lot of networks will do obviously like two shows like back to back. Like HBO will do like a well, like Game of Thrones and Silicon Valley both have like the same schedule premiere dates or whatever. Yeah, they should do that with A League of Their Own and The Boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kind of a his and hers thing going exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. One show for the guys. Which is a league of their own. Yeah, a league of their own. And then one show for the women who love comic book heroes. They, you know, the ladies are watching it because of um, Urban Outfitters. Or what, what's the main? Carl Urban. Carl Urban. I was like Urban Smith. No, that's not right. Yeah, yeah. What if his first name couldn't be Urban? That's ridiculous. Have you ever seen Dread? No, I haven't. Well, ju- wait, Dread. Judge Dread? No, Dread. Dread. I mean, there's Judge Dread, but that's still just alone. Carl Urban is in Dread. Oh, then I have seen it. Okay. That's a good movie. Yeah. Just wanted to bring that out there. Um, <laughs> uh, the lady from Game of Thrones is the villain. Yeah, Lena Headey. She's great. Yeah. It's a good movie. Those, Yeah, Judge Dread rules. Those are great. Uh, the first one I've not seen, but I have a feeling it's not good. But the remake they made was fantastic. I also haven't seen the Sil- Sylvester Stallone one, but the remake is very good. Can't imagine there's any parenting in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I Clock Watchers was a pretty good movie. I'm glad that we decided to take a break from bad things to watch this because yeah. watching this after Don't Look Up and Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip was a nice change of pace. What are we watching next week? You texted me today and now I already forgot. Next week, we are watching. Fuck is this movie called? We are watching the movie She's the One, starring yeah. Jennifer Aniston and Cameron Diaz. And directed by Edward Burns. Rounding out my one month free trial of stars by watching another friends related movie on stars. Exactly. You got to watch all the mid 90s movies with friends cast members when they were trying to make them big movie stars yeah. after friends was successful. It's yeah. In, in the hands of like better podcasters, this podcast would be kind of about like the 90s in general. And we would maybe make more effort to put this into like a historical context. But I like just talking about them and that's way more fun <laughs> yeah i mean who gives a fucking shit if we we want to talk about cougar town eventually that's not in the 90s yeah that's i mean yeah yeah i mean i'm not saying we're gonna stay in the 90s but yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> well it, you know what the stars free trial has given us some good 90s content it's so. true i'm excited to watch this movie just because that's i'm excited to really get my money's worth out of this free month of stars yeah i'm excited to find out if she is actually the one i'm gonna guess she isn't really yeah well and yeah. i also don't know any i don't know the plot of this movie at all i haven't i i'm gonna go into it completely blind i can tell you the plot right now so the plot is no no no, no. i'm gonna go into it blind no 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 no. i got the plot for you right here okay so 
You ready? The plot is I had it up I had it up on IMDb a second ago, but now I lost it. Um, when a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidden underworld, he discovers a shocking truth: the life he knows is the elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence, and he has to find out whether or not he is the one. <laughs> I kind of forgot that like Neo is the one, and so I was like, "Where are you going with this?" But you really landed that plane. Good on you. I tried. <laughs> Anything else you're watching this week that you want to suggest to the crew here? Okay, well, you know, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I'm still watching Servant again. It's wrapping up a fantastic season three. Love that show. And now that we're talking about Lisa Kudrow, I think I should mention Lisa Kudrow would be fantastic as the mom of the doll baby in Servant. Like, she would absolutely kill it as, like, sort of a grieving mom who has sort of comedic tendencies, but is also very sort of on edge constantly. Like, that sounds like it's right up her alley. That would have been a really good role for her. Although, I will say, Lauren Ambrose, who plays the mom, is all is fantastic so i don't i would not want to recast her for that but if lisa kudrow was in the show instead i would probably also like it as well uh Maybe. but i once again gotta point out highly recommend servant great show everyone who watches it loves it i'm never gonna watch it i just i just i'm not oh. going to <laughs> i feel like it's so up your alley you don't even know <laughs> Like, I was able to convince my mom to watch it, and she hates horror TV shows, but she binged it within the span of, like, four days. This is the M. Night one that you are trying to get me to watch, right? Yeah. Yes. It's also on Apple TV, right? Yeah, just get Apple TV for a month, get some Ted Lasso, get some Servant, Severance. Mm-hmm. There's that new show everyone's talking about on Apple TV that's really good also that I forget the name of. Is that is it not Severance? Well, Severance everyone's talking about, but there's a new new show on Apple TV called Pachinko that everyone's talking about. Oh, yeah, no, I don't, I'm not. I'm, I mean, I think I might get Apple TV. TV for a bit because one of the Oscar movies is streaming on it. So Coda, oh. how'd you watch that? Oh, I guess I already do have Apple TV. You know what? My girlfriend pays for it, so that's. <laughs> you should watch Servant. Watch the first episode of Servant. Okay, I will do that after we get off this episode, probably. But don't ask me next week I... if I've seen it or not, because I yeah. almost 100 will not get watch it. After. That's fine. But you should watch. What are you watching? Been watching the other two again, which is very good. And and Lisa Kudrow should be on that show, either playing like an older agent who's kind of seen it all and is like very cynical or just playing herself, you know, like Lisa Kudrow showing up in the other two would be just a joke within the show uh, and it'd be very good. She's very funny and her whole comedic style fits the vibe of the show very well. You know what? Uh, it's more fun to think about roles for Lisa Kudrow than it is Matt Perry. Uh, she has more range, I think, than Matthew Perry, at least in the role she's done. She might be my favorite of I really like other things she's in. When I was watching this movie, I was thinking that exact same thought. I think she's probably the best performer of the Friends cast in her other roles. The comeback and web therapy are both very good. We should cover both of those at some point. Oh, I'm sure we will. I guess that's it. We're so bad at ending these episodes. We're ending this episode the way this movie ended, which is we both go on with our lives without a clear definitive ending to the episode. Is it sad? Is it happy? I don't know. It's just kind of a little melancholy and fade to black. This episode, really, the first half was really funny, and the second half was not funny. Yeah. So just like the movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. See you next week when we cover She's the One. Bye. Goodbye, Lisa, honey. 